Broadcasting from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village, you're listening to The Incubator, the voice of the Atlanta Tech startup scene. The Incubator is a show featuring weekly interviews with Atlanta-based startup founders, influencers, and entrepreneurs, who they are, what drives them, and how they plan to change the world. Today's show is made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. And now, here are your hosts, Trisha Whitlock and Todd Schnick. All right. Good morning and welcome to The Incubator. I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Trisha Whitlock. Good morning, my friend. How are you? So far, so good. I'm excited to kick off the series this morning. I am very excited. This is episode one in this new collaboration between uh, uh, Hypopotamus, which is your organization, and the Intrepid Now Media Network, which is my organization. And uh, you and I have done some things here and there over, over the past year. I'm very excited about this collaboration. Me too. We're one of the few folks, or both of us are some of the few folks in Atlanta that are covering the early stage scene. So I think it'll be interesting to kind of partner on that and see what we can do and who we can find to talk about. I think it's going to be very, very exciting. I think we hopefully we'll become the voice of the Atlanta tech scene. We may be so bold, but I, I think, think we'll take the claim now. Why not? I think we'll take it. Uh, <laughs> what's also important to uh, recognize here, and you'll hear more from them in a little bit, uh, but all this is made possible by Wella, which is a, a wonderful online financial operation. So uh, you're going to learn a lot about them as we do this series. So um, our, our continued and grateful thanks to Wella for making this entire thing possible. All right. Well, Trish, you did it. Yeah, kicking off this series with a very, very cool organization doing some really neat stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Uh, uh, you know, I always joke that if I could be teleported back to 18 years old and do it all over again with the knowledge that I, I have achieved, I would uh, I would not go to school. I would become a coder and I would probably do it with these guys. So uh, It's I, not too late. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the things we might talk about. So, you know, because, you know. Fan club can only get so big as a radio host. Anyway, so <laughs> so let's get to it. We're joined by Jake Haddon. He's a partner and student services director with Digital Crafts and Max McChesney, a partner and campus director with Digital Crafts. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And appreciate you being the inaugural guest. The initiation process will start in just a few minutes. So, <laughs> all right, Jake, let me start with you. Uh, before we get into a conversation around Digital Crafts, uh, give us a quick rundown on you and your background. Before we get into that, we do want to thank the host for having us here. Very glad to be here on this first podcast. Um, when it comes to my background, I graduated from the University of Georgia with a degree in finance and then went to work for Accenture in their management consulting practice. I learned a lot, um, but I knew there was more out there for me. Then I moved on to a company called Interface and managed their innovation accelerator process, which is really, really cool. Um, it's kind of like an internal shark tank, which we can, we can talk about offline if you'd like. Absolutely. Um, throughout the process, I really realized that I enjoy helping others achieve their goals. So um, that was the time when Max was kind of pondering this idea. He approached me. It um, you know, really sparked a flame inside of me. So joined the Digital Crafts team at that time. All right, we'll get to that in a minute. Max, uh, before we do that, uh, tell us a bit about you and your background. Sure. Um, I'm from Atlanta, and I met Jake at Georgia, where I was also studying finance, which didn't take long to realize was not my <laughs> calling after that. I worked for a tech startup called Starpound and Teledini for two and a half years after school. And I was kind of a utility infielder, did it all. Um, but main responsibility was a, I was a finance controller. Um, but that was where I got my first exposure to tech and to coding a little bit, just HTML and some front end stuff. And then I moved to Argentina 
where I lived for a year, um, which is where I first got a little bit of experience with teaching. So I taught English and including some business English, which was interesting. Um, I was the worst teacher in Argentina (laughs) (laughs) and figured that out. So I started doing SEO and front end marketing work um, and web development uh, through a company I started called Expat Assistance, which consisted of me and two part-time people. Um, We had about 20 hours of work a week, but we were earning U.S. dollars, which meant we were earning enough to live in Argentina, not enough here. But uh, (laughs) So I had a great time doing that, came home um, about a year ago, year and a half ago now, and uh, worked for a real estate company in their acquisitions team for about nine months before I decided to go to a code school. So I went to a local program in town, studied iOS development, really loved the whole accelerated model of education and uh, programming in general, Um, and came out thinking that we could, you know, there was ample opportunity, ample demand, um, and we kind of have a different approach. So we thought, let's give it a go. Yeah, and I'm curious about that approach. We have some really large schools, and we have some large and some small schools in town, right? There's Tech Talent South and the Iron Yard, um, Big Nerd Ranch, and everyone kind of does something different, right? So some folks are really focused on like holistically, like it's digital marketing for your small business, not just coding. Or places like Big Nerd Ranch where it's really high level coding, um, you know, and they're like doing very specific things as opposed to zero to 60. So I'm kind of curious of where you guys are planning on falling in that range and, you know, just more about the school. Uh, yes, yeah, so our, our program is definitely tailored to beginners um, at the moment. The idea is taking a beginner, kick their butt for 16 weeks, and turn them into a skilled junior level full stack developer. Um, all the programs in town are great. They all have different things, as you said. Uh, the tech landscape is so broad that I don't even believe we're stepping on anybody's toes. Everybody's teaching different technologies. We're teaching JavaScript, the mean stack, which is a very new cutting edge uh, technology, basically now JavaScript, which is ubiquitous across front end jobs, um, to also run on the server side. And then we're also teaching the LAMP stack, uh, PHP, MySQL. Um, okay. So we have a two stack program and one of our main differentiators is we're 16 weeks. Uh, most of the programs in town are 12 and eight, uh, which is great. Everybody schedule has different needs and um, desires, goals, but we that's where we fit in. And so because you guys are so wholly immersive, I'm sure it's, you know, full time. It's a mm-hmm. pretty long, a pretty long, you know, program itself. Um, when folks leave and I'm no, of course, it's always based on individual talent. But when people leave the school, do you think that they're going to be in a position that they are really getting maybe an initial internship first? Or is this something that if you came through the program, most likely, especially if you th- really immersed yourself and threw yourself into it, and you're naturally a bit skilled at it as well, you know, that you were a, you're coming out of there and finding an entry level position. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it's a point we really want to hit home with our students. Um, you know, if you come into our program, you work very hard. We would like to think there's a great chance you get a job. There are no guarantees in this world, right? Sure. So we don't guarantee a job placement or even an internship for that fact. Um, but we do do everything we can throughout the program to really understand each student's goals, aspirations, and to make sure that we introduce them to our hiring partners so they have that opportunity to get, whether it's an apprenticeship, internship, or job opportunity. Um, if you look at the industry as a whole, 
there's a lot of schools out there that claim 90% placement rates, um, and we hope to be there one day. Sure. Uh, but at the moment, no, there's no, no guarantee. What do you mean by beginner? I mean, I'm a, uh, I have zero experience at anything like this. Is this a program that I can do, or do you have to have some basic background to, to come in and get value out of this? For our program, no. Um, we do require all students who are accepted to do a certain level of pre-work, which is going to be between 20 and 40 hours. So that kind of allows a student to, and it is absolutely required. You can't start if you don't finish it. So a student will know, hopefully by then, whether or not this is the path they want to pursue. And every time someone reaches out to us, we encourage them not to just immediately sign up, but to attend one of our free workshops. So we have periodic free workshops. One's coming up on the 8th of July. It's an iOS workshop. Come build your first app. So this starts tomorrow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can come by, you know, have some pizzas, some free drinks, and, you know, build your first iPhone app. Um, and then we have another one on the 14th for front-end web, just as a quick aside. But... So we encourage everybody to come in, actually build something, make sure it's something that is for you um, before making this huge you know, time and financial commitment. So speaking of time and financial commitments, so there's a lot of folks now that are considering foregoing a four-year degree, right? I mean, there's it's expensive, it's obviously time-consuming, and while you know, undergrad is a ton of fun and I don't regret it, it's very different than having an experience that lasts 16 weeks and you hit the ground running with a career, right? Especially if at that point you are 19, 20 years old, it just finished um, high school. So what do, do you see this becoming something that is going to start to replace traditional education or do you see this as something that's going to be layered on top or you're going to get a lot of folks that are older and are looking for a second career, you know, kind of what is your, where do you see this whole, just the industry itself moving? Obviously you think that it's moving forward or you wouldn't be building a business mm -hmm. around it. So I'm kind of curious to see what, what your outlook is. My parents would kill me if they heard this, but I don't, I don't want my kids to go to college. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Four years later, you've had a great time. And I mean, so I, I might take that back. I do want them to have as much fun as I did. But at the same time, you go to one of these kind of accelerated learning programs for four months, you come out, you're starting to make money. You can take more trips than your friends. I mean, you can really still enjoy yourself. And four to five years later, it's not unreasonable to think you're making six figures sure. and well into a career that has, you know, right now it's hovering between one and 2% unemployment rate. Um, I don't know if, you know, everyone's still going to go to college for the foreseeable future. Well, as I said at the show, I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. I, I absolutely wouldn't. I, I, yeah, like everyone at this, at, uh, in the studio here, I, I had a, a wonderful experience, but it was four years of my life I'll never get back and I could have been doing and building other things. So I, I, think, I think it is the future, Trish, in my view. Well, I'm like, we've heard from, you know, Governor Deal's been working on getting STEM in the schools. So all of a sudden, if coding is becoming something that you're learning instead of French, right? And then you're leaving and you've got four or five years of coding experience, then I guess the assumption would be that schools like yours would then start taking them to the next level as opposed to starting them from the very beginning, right? So we'll kind of see how the climate changes or if we can get that, if Deal can get that passed. And, and that's a very good point. I think it's unrealistic to think this will replace your current traditional educational model, but it's definitely a parallel path. And it's the sooner you can introduce it to a person or an individual, the better. So if, if you can introduce it in middle school, high school. Will you have younger programs or is this mostly focused right now on adults? Uh, so we are in talks with, we're actually having a one-off class for the Westminster schools. Oh, okay, um, great. In August. And it's actually just going to be for their faculty. So the idea is we sat down with 
um, Keith, the president over there, and we're going to teach their faculty a two-hour class on, you know, how does the web work? What is a web stack? How does the website get delivered to your browser? Um, and then also have a little bit of an interactive coding exercise. And one of our goals is for them to be able to walk away. Um, how many times has a calculus teacher heard, when are we actually going to need to know this? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's one of the most common questions for a teacher. So we want them to be able to say, well, you know, funny you should ask, if you want to build that next big iPhone app, when you're scrolling up and it's doing this or that, you know, that's actually just solving for X. Here you go. So we want to hand them a, a bunch of examples, um, show them why it's important for students to have early exposure to coding. Okay. Um, rub in that, you know, Yik Yak was started by a couple of Love It guys. And hopefully uh, maybe have some sort of partnership with them, either extracurricular sure. or, uh, or in the summer to teach students as well. Well, we've been talking from the context of our, our, our high school students or, or earlier, and we're talking about those maybe want to revitalize their career, but let, let's, let's talk about the, the, the real story as of this moment. There's a lot of unfilled jobs that, that they can't find the talent for, right? I mean, so, so going through an accelerated program such as yourself can begin to solve that problem. That's correct. And right now, I'm sure you guys are aware of the Tech Hire Initiative that recently came out that President Obama has been pushing and, and recently released this year. There are currently 5 million jobs, I think, that go unfilled today. Um, 500,000. Well, 5 million IT or 5 million jobs, 500,000 of those are related to IT. And the overwhelming amount of that half million are software for software engineers, software developers, mobile developers. And that's the void we're filling. And if you look at the numbers and the predictions in the future, it's only going to grow. So the demand for these schools, even though there are four or five options here in the Atlanta area, it's only going to grow. All right. Jake and Max will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This is Wes Moss, former host of Atlanta Tech Edge on NBC in Atlanta. I'm here today, though, to talk to you about my new digital financial advisory firm, Wella. Well is an old English word that means wealth. Several years ago, my team realized there were too many people who needed help with their financial strategy, but couldn't get the help they needed because they didn't reach the high investment minimums of many financial advisory firms. To answer this need, we developed Wella, a digital platform that allows us to help people just like you get free financial advice and tools to better manage their finances. We also offer online investing and the ability to work with your own investment advisor with no minimums. Learn more at yourwella.com. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A.com. All right. We're back with Jake Haddon and Max McChesney with Digital Crafts. All right, so we were just talking about kind of the proliferation of schools in the area and just in general. Um, so I'm curious, there's so many online options for folks. You know, why brick and mortar? Why not online for, for the model that you guys are chasing? So online has been awesome for us um, because it allows so many people to kind of put a toe in the water and see if they like it. Uh, services like Code Academy are great. I have completed a bunch of the programs on there. Um, so it's a great way to get familiar with the syntax um, of any given language, which is a good, good way to kind of find which language resonates with you, and then you can um, pursue that technology further. But it still isn't... I, don't, I haven't heard of a lot of success stories of people making career switches based on free online material. Um, it's certainly possible people who are very motivated and have the time, can do it and have done it. A lot of developers out there, especially before this uh, boot camp 
industry kind of exploded in the in recent years are all self-taught with books and um, online resources. But we see it as as an intro, and then you kind of hit a wall. You get to a place where all right, you are interested in it, but you don't know how to set up your development environment. You don't know um, how to interact with the popular APIs or just what resources are out there. Uh, so that's kind of where this bootcamp model's feeling a void. And sometimes it just goes to the individual learning style, right? Some people are better at learning on their own. Some people really need that in-person interaction. And that's really what we're all about. You know, we have a mentor, or not a mentor, sorry. We've actually hired our full-time teacher uh, who will mentor the students. You know, he has 10-plus years of professional development experience, you know. And so he's able to practice, you know, best practice methodologies, agile development methodologies, and, uh, you know, show you the proper way to indent your code and to comment excessively and things like that. Sure. Well, speaking of it being difficult to find talent, it's got to be tough to find teachers, right? I mean, how, how do you go, kind of, how do you find somebody that has, can be making so much money with the skill set that they have and, you know, talk them into using that skill set instead to teach? That is definitely going to be the most difficult part of growing this business. Um, scaling these boot camps is, is tough for that exact reason. Um, with 500,000 vacant jobs in IT, that means you know, finding people is both expensive and time-consuming. So we looked for over two months constantly interviewing people, and finally we're lucky to find uh, our full-time instructor, Rob Bunch, um, who had most recently worked with Turner Broadcasting on the NCAA playoff bracket, which was a cool selling point for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he, he's awesome. How do you kind of plan on, like, where, maybe where did you find him? And then also, like, how do you plan on finding more people with that level of experience to get them to teach? I do know there's a lot of, like, I know some guys that, like, will work at a dev shop and part-time, you know, in a small way that they'll teach, like, one class or two a week. Um, but with the way that you guys are structured with the, you know, full-time immersive, you need a full-time teacher, right? Because you can't have people coming in for every two hours. You're just recycling a new teacher. So, you know, how are you, what's the plan on finding a consistent pipeline of really experienced talent and good teachers, which is very different than just being a good developer? Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a great question. And it just goes back to Max's point. You have to continuously interview, continuously look for that right individual because you have to find someone that's not only good at the skill set, but also someone that's personable and someone that's willing to teach that wants to motivate a class of 10 to 15 people. So I don't think there's really any one answer that we can give you saying, this is where we're going to go to find find that person. Yeah, Um, It's just a consistent process you have to go through. Um, We really lucked out with our current teacher, Rob. That's wonderful. Well, sets the model and then uh, makes it easier to, to identify like minds or, or uh, have that, that becomes another channel by which you can, you can identify future teachers. I want to go into, you guys have a very unique approach about how you, how you look at this and how you deliver this to your students. We focus on program length, curriculum, the learning experience itself, but then culture. So what do you mean by that? Why that, that strikes me as, as maybe unique in this, in this space. Why, why a focus on culture? So everybody's seen uh, and heard about the the perks of working on the job. Um, you see it at ATV. We're sitting there now, and there's a, a Razor scooter parking station, you know, within a hundred yards. Um, those are perks of the job, and they're perks of of the Silicon Valley in particular is uh, perpetuated. But they're not really perks of the process of getting to the job. Um, so we definitely want to stress a very professional environment that is all about 
learning. I mean, this is a serious financial and time commitment. We don't want you to come in and waste away your time on a ping pong table or a PlayStation 4 or, you know, in nap rooms. Um, so while we strive to have fun throughout the process, this is a professional environment, very small class size. Uh, you're going to do a lot of code and it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of work. So are you, from a student perspective, um, as you're onboarding folks now, are you seeing that there are a lot of folks that are finishing a four-year degree, realizing that they don't want to do what they studied and now they're looking for something new and coding is hot, right? Or coding is going to always be hot from here on out, but it's especially hot right now, right? Because it's something relatively new um, from a large job market perspective. Or are you finding that you're having folks that have had long careers doing something else and are switching? It's a great question. It's really all over the board. Um, we had somebody apply to our program recently that actually graduated with a computer science degree. But when he graduated at that time, it was tough to find a job in the industry. So he went and worked in, in a different career, but now he wants to get back into it. So he applied to our program to get up to date on the new technologies that are out there, right? Um, we've had people apply to our program that are much older, been in careers for much longer, but it's, it's really across the board. Um, if you look at the market research, the average student um, is a 29-year-old male and someone who has a college degree that's worked for a few years and that wants to transition their career. So you're exactly right, but what we've seen so far is it's across the board. You can watch TV and you can see the advertisements for these. You want to change your life and get a good paying job, well then come to this technical school and you learn. And I always see those and I always worry that the, the, the teachings there are so old school. And that's something that I know you guys are going to have to be paying attention to because the, the, the pace of technological change is just unbelievable. How are you going to be working to keep up with that and so that every time you teach a student, they're learning the latest and greatest and, and going to be able to plug right into the current market? So we're providing opportunity for a ton of vacation for our uh, instructor in between cohorts. And part of the reason is we want them to go out there and work on projects. So we want them to stay up to date by, you know, constantly maybe uh, committing to some open source projects, um, just working with any new technologies we hear about. He's got, our class starts on October 12th, the first full-time class. So right now he's back at the office working on curriculum and working on building out projects that he's going to work through with our 12 students um, in October. So he's just constantly building things and actually using the technology. And in addition to that, we've had some conversations uh, with some local recruiting firms, and they're both more than willing to help place our students as well as come in and provide some interview uh, training, resume guidance. But then almost equally importantly, they're kind of a good resource for us, uh, they've agreed to help point us in the direction of any technologies that they're seeing a ton of jobs for. So they kind of, it was a great news to hear that them confirm that JavaScript has been by far one of the most in-demand uh, skill sets they've seen. But <clears throat> going back to your question, um, when, you, when you see the bigger schools advertising, the for-profit schools, hey, come here, learn, get a better job. The curriculum that you learn in those programs have been accredited by the federal government, right? So they can receive federal loans, uh, or their students can take out federal loans to attend those colleges. You know, one thing that, that makes these coding boot camps so nimble is that we don't go through that process. So anytime we want to change or evolve our curriculum, we can do so on the fly. And, and you really need to have that flexibility. And, and it may come to a point where we want to go down the path of credit, accreditation, but at the moment we see many more perks staying out of that world. 
I would I would think that would be the best place for, position for you guys to be is to be able to be nimble in that regard because I think as we said the pace is changing so much and to be on top of it and I have to worry about any bureaucracy. My so understanding is yeah once you're accredited you it can take upwards of a year to uh, adapt a curriculum and you're there are a lot of strict guidelines you have to stay exactly what you were supposed to teach. So in the middle of 2014 with that when Apple announced they were switching from Objective C to Swift all of their Mac development. Um, you know, schools are still stuck in Objective C probably now, but not the boot camps. Uh, the one I went to was impressive and very quickly flowed towards Swift. So that's one of the big selling points. Hmm. That's important stuff. So before the market becomes super flooded, what is your plan on getting as much market share as possible before this becomes, you know, even hotter than it is now with the few schools that we have in Atlanta? Because for the most part, they've popped up like in the last year. We've maybe had one before that or two. Um, so what, from a marketing perspective, how do you guys plan on going out and getting in front of the type of students that you want to attract that are different from the other schools, right? The different programs. So we intend to grow to new markets in a very slow and deliberate way. Um, but I'm not sure that we're going to make an Atlanta land grab kind of where, you know, we're going to have five classes by the end of the year. We would much rather have, you know, our class right now is four months. It takes in 12 students. So that means 24 graduates a year um, with one class still in session. Uh, we would rather graduate 24 A-plus individuals and just be known as the the place. Yeah. Um, in town, then, then quickly scale and make a money grab. It's, it's not really on the roadmap. There's a new organization that came out or has been launched recently by the founders of some notable coding boot camps on the West Coast and kind of Midwest. It's called Nesta. I can't remember what Nesta stands for at the moment. But they're basically providing transparency into coding boot camps through this program. So as a student, you can go, you can look at and see... What are the placement rates? Where did the students who graduated go to work? So it's much more important for us to get a hundred percent placement rate with, um, you know, prestigious jobs with a high-paying salary than it is to grow, because we could grow really quickly and then die really quickly as well if sure. we didn't follow through on our metrics. So how do you actually become a student? Do you make application? Uh, walk us through that process. Yeah, it's a great question. So to become a student, you have to really complete two tasks in either order, doesn't matter. Uh, but you have to fill out our online application, which asks about your technical background as well as kind of your social skills, your communication skills. And then you have to come in for an in-person interview. And if you are from out of town, we'll work with you a little bit and, and set up a Google Hangout. Um, but we do encourage everyone to come in, you know, visit our campus, look at, you know, the desk that you'll be working at with all the tools that you'll have access to, meet our team, and get to know us better. Um, so it's a two-step process, but... If you want to come in as many times as you want to visit, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, we strongly encourage students, like we mentioned earlier, to attend these workshops, come in, actually see the teachers in action, and also vet whether or not they truly want to pursue this career. Well, we talked about culture a little while ago, so you kind of get to kind of understand the vibe and the soul of what you guys are trying to do, and which will make for a better student if there's an alignment there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I love that you've chosen to work out of a co-working space for now. It makes sense that you would have possible students in the space, right? And then also, if you grow, you can easily take a larger office, or if it's a smaller cohort, you take something smaller. Um, so where are you guys located, and why did you choose a Buckhead, but also a Rome and a co-working space? Well, so we actually, we got started in ATV when it was just Jake and I uh, interviewing instructors and, and getting off the ground. And then we moved to a 
an office next door uh, with an engineering group called Array Fire that's been fantastic. So we have a big classroom over there, um, and that's where our offices will be. And is, co- is choosing a co-working space a way of having flexible space? Is it that it's easier to have students come in and come out? Kind of what was the, why the, why the brick and mortar and then why the brick and mortar in a co-working way? Yeah, um, there's a lot of flexibility with co-working, as you know. But even more so, your students have exposure to other companies that are working in the co-working space. So it gives them a better opportunity to network, um, which increases their job placement likelihood, right? Um, and exactly that, you know, we can we can pop up in a new city or a new school if we have demand um, at a fairly reasonable cost. So makes it a little bit easier to scale if yeah. you guys want to. It, it was very important to get uh, our main classroom in the building directly next door to ATV uh, because of things like the Friday startup chow down. Um, we're definitely going to encourage our students to come over here as often as they can, network with everybody, and try to land that internship. All right. So is it just full-time? I mean, can you only enroll in this one of these 16-week programs or do you have anything that's part-time? Our full-time program is is kind of the flagship course that comes along with career support, you know, resume guidance. That's the option if you're trying to switch careers or the one that I recommend. We also have part-time courses for anybody who wants to try and get a foot in the door. The goal is to get somebody not to a junior-level position but rather to a point where they can continue to teach themselves and continue to learn. Um, kind of take what looks like magic to a beginner and sh- show them it's really just you know algebra and, and variables, and here you go. Um, so we have two part-time courses right now, a front-end web development, which is beginning on October 6th, and a iOS mobile engineering, which begins on September 22nd. Um, and those will be held either in our Rome-Dunwoody location or at ATV. Okay, very good. Well, and all the information will be available on your website, I'm, I'm assuming, which we'll, we'll share in a minute. Uh, guys, we're running low on time, which means it's time for our Wella question of the week. So you are aware that Wella is making all this possible. So uh, I'll start with you, uh, Max. Um, what's the best financial advice you have ever gotten? Huh. Um, invest in an IRA in eighth grade, I think. Somebody, our economics teacher showed us a graph of if you went to med school and made X amount of money and put put X percentage away, this is how much you'd have at 65. And if you, you know, had a blue collar job and started putting it away at 18, what you'd have. And uh, that was an eye opening bit of advice. Yeah, the, the the growth rate there was very intriguing, wasn't it? Yeah, I started started socking away uh, some summer money in an IRA right then. Outstanding, Jake. What about you? What's the best financial advice you've ever received? Well, I can tell you the best financial advice I didn't receive. Um, so I recently was married, very happily married. Um, but so that's it. The advice, <laughs> the advice I'd like to give to people out there is when you're shopping around for an engagement ring, you have to keep in mind that you also have to buy the wedding band as well. So you need a budget for both. <laughs> so that's my advice to all those people out Brilliant there. Brilliant advice. So we need to add that to the Wella roster of the uh, fact sheet. So, all right. Well, those are the Wella questions of the week. Gentlemen, uh, we're now out of time. Before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about digital crafts? They can head to our website, digitalcrafts.com. Uh, you know, we have all the social media sites as well, Facebook uh, and LinkedIn. Um, we also have a meetup group, meetup.com. Um, just search for digital crafts and you'll find us and keep up to date RSVP to all of our upcoming workshops and events. And you're hiring, I understand? Yes, we are hiring right now. We're looking for an iOS ex- senior level developer who wants to come in and teach our iOS part-time courses. 
Outstanding. All right. Well, Jake Haddon, a partner and student services director, and Max McChesney, a partner and campus director with Digital Crafts. Gentlemen, it was great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. Thanks so great much. Great to be here. Thanks. All right, Trish, my dear, we are off and running. This, this is going to be great. a fun, fun series. I'm excited to see what's in store. I am too. All right. Well, on behalf of my co-host, Trisha Ritlock, I am Todd Schnick. Thanks again to Wella for making this broadcast possible. This has been The Incubator, signing off from the Atlanta Tech Village. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Incubator, recorded from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village. This broadcast is a partnership between the Intrepid Now Media Network and Hypopotamus, and made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. The Incubator is directed by Andrea Risk and produced by Floyd Fischel. You can find The Incubator on iTunes, and leaving a rating and review on iTunes will be appreciated by all. Again, you've been listening to The Incubator. The show will return next week. We'll see you then.